It's All Things 805, and we are connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. I'm your host, Miss Allenette, and this show is part of the Allen Network. And you can listen to this show anytime as part of the Allen Network podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcast. Today on the show, I'm happy to be celebrating Women's History Month with an interview that I conducted out at the Kids and Families Together location in Ventura. I was able to sit down with a community outreach specialist who is Amy Hewitt, as well as I got a chance to meet and talk to the co-founder of Kids and Families Together, Faith Friedlander. She has a very interesting story that I really believe is worthwhile you taking a listen to. I love being a part of All Things 805 because I get to collect a lot of stories that I feel are oral histories. It's a very important part of living here in Ventura County to be able to record someone's story. And today I believe that is being shared on All Things 805. I take a tour of the location of Kids and Families Together in the city of Ventura. So let's get right into it. On location at Kids and Families Together in the city of Ventura on a tour with Amy Hewitt. I'm here at Kids and Families together, actually on location. And um, please introduce yourself to me, lovely lady. Hi, my name is Amy Hewitt. I'm the Outreach and Development Manager here with Kids and Families together. So what we're doing is we're taking a tour of the beautiful facilities here in downtown Ventura, right on Santa Clara Street. So take me first um, to the yellow room. So we have right now three therapy rooms and um, they are categorized by the colors on the wall. And in this room, you would typically have uh, one of our therapists who are either a licensed marriage and family therapist or they would be an associate. So someone that has their master's degree and is um, working towards their hours. So they, they work here with us and they're supervised by the, our licensed. So you would have a therapist in here with um, a child and whoever the caregiver, whoever they're with. So we serve at Kids and Families Together, we serve foster, kinship, and adopted families. And also we have programs for, for the bio families if the child has been removed from the home and um, they are working through the process of getting the child back into their care. So any type of therapy session could be happening here in one of these lovely rooms. Mm-hmm. So when you say bio families, what exactly do you mean? So if for some reason, if, a, if there has been a disruption in, in a home in a biological family and say um, CFS or, or Child, Child Protective Services has been called, uh, social workers involved and they, they've determined that it's not safe for the child to be there. So the child at that point is taken um, out of the home and Typically, they may try to um, reach out to a family member to take that child or the child would go into foster care. We have programs that would fit every person in that story. We have programs so for the child. We have contracts through Ventura County Behavioral Health for the child to get one-on-one counseling sessions with one of our therapists. Um, if that child is either in foster care or is living with a relative, say a grandmother, I've seen great grandparents step in. I've seen great aunts step in to take kids into their home. Um, We have support services for the caregiver. Those are through contracts we have with um, Ventura County Human Services Agency. And then also we still have that bio parent there and we have programs to help 
guide that bio parent through the process of getting their kid back. We have staff that has lived experience. We have staff members that have actually had their kids removed and are on the other side of that journey that are helping other parents get their kids back. Let's move on to the next part of the journey here. Two more therapy rooms. And then this is actually my favorite room right now. We have a new library that our staff can use to um, check out books for themselves, for the families. The two main focuses that we work with the kids and families together are trauma and attachment. Because the kids that we work with, a lot of them have experienced multiple placements. They may have been moved around from foster home to foster home, so multiple placements. They could have experienced abuse, um, been witness to violence in the home, and need that need to process that trauma and need to work on attachments. Because maybe at that point, they don't trust anybody, you know, no matter who they're with. So that's sort of our main focus of work that we do on the clinical side. So downstairs, down here in the basement, we have um, everything associated with our heart-to-heart resource family support program. A lot of the families that we work with are not properly prepared to take in children. Say a grandmother, say something happens in a in a family's home, and this all happens very abruptly. They're they're removed from their parents. A relative is contacted, and they and they're given the option: you, Do you want to take your grandchildren? If not, they're going to go into the foster system. So in many cases, of course, the grandparents would be like, "Of course, I want to take them," but they don't have cribs, they don't have diapers, they don't have clothing, they don't have the toys, they don't you know anything. So our heart to heart resource support program provides hard goods for them. We have various events throughout the year that provide everything from like school supplies, backpacks, all the school supplies needed. We have a huge event at Christmas because sometimes the gifts that we provide them at, at Christmas are sometimes the only gifts that, you know, the caregivers just can't afford to get to get Christmas gifts for the kids. So that's what happens down here. So you can see the room is kind of filled with boxes of different things. We have leftover bike helmets. And so the, our Share the Love event, and we typically have that every February, and it focuses on, it's more like a caregiver appreciation event. So it's thanking these people for stepping up and taking these kids into their homes. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you got a million events yeah. and stuff. And, you know, at a lot of those events, we'll just get donations from, like, some of the local Tuesday morning stores. They give us what is not selling, and so we'll have, like, an area where the caregivers can look through and get household items or cleaning supplies. A lot of times we'll try to get just gift cards into their hands so they can go get groceries somewhere. Or uh, for a while we were giving out cards for them to get gas, especially during the pandemic. Real rare opportunity to actually uh, see a real live basement in the state of California. I don't know if I've ever seen one of these before. <laughs> so we're still on a tour, uh, kids and families together in the city of Ventura, and we're walking around the facilities. This is like a general office space yeah, here. Admin, staff, two of my coworkers working here in our Medi-Cal program for kids. So Medi-Cal program. Yeah, so our Medi-Cal program, this is Heather. Would you Hi, like Heather. to tell her? I'm standing in front of Heather right now, and she's heads the Medi-Cal program here at Kids and Families. So can you tell me a little bit about that? So we are the early periodic screening and diagnostic for our Medi-Cal program. Um, I am the administrative side of things for all of our clinicians. I do the opening paperwork, the discharge paperwork. Um, I'm their go-to girl if they need um, certain things for their clients or if they need me to help read a note. Um, I'm not clinical, but I help as much as I possibly can with the clinicians. Um, and we do therapy for kids that are in the foster system. We get referrals through the county or through um, STAR. 
um, which comes from the social workers, and um, we end up um, receiving the referral from the county, and then we hand off to a clinician who is the one who can take on that um, child. Okay. So basically, um, part of the programming here will be paid for through Medi-Cal. Yes. Okay. Our program is Medi-Cal-based program. Right on. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Okay. That was the tour. Okay, so now we're back in the conference room after the tour of Kids and Families Together, the actual location in downtown Ventura. And I'm sitting here across from Amy, who um, is the outreach manager for Kids and Family Together. And I just wanted you to kind of go through the programming that we have available here to people here in Ventura County. At Kids and Families Together, we serve all of Ventura County. We focus on foster, kinship, adoptive care families, and um, we also have programs to help bio families that are working to get their kids back. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of go over some of the programs of and maybe give some highlights of, of how many families we worked with and helped last year. Our largest program is a child's Medi-Cal program um, that we talked to Heather about, yes. our EPSDT program. And last year, last calendar year, 2022, we provided counseling and therapy to 265 children in the foster system. So that program does require a referral, um, and it's, it is for technically for children in, in the system. So they have to have a social worker, and um, they might be living with a foster family or could be taken in by a relative caregiver. We also support biological families where there has been some type of disruption in the home, either violence, drug abuse, you know, whatever might be going on. We have um, staff that helps these parents kind of travel that journey to get their kids back. During 2022, we had 504 parents working towards reunification through three different programs that we have um, here at Kids and Families Together. We have a program called Parent Advocate Services Program. And in that program, they are partnered up with one of our staff members that actually has that lived experience. They have had their child removed. They're on the other side of that and are now mentoring um, parents through giving them that that support they need Mm because there's probably times when they just feel like they want to give up. Yeah, and talking them through the whole thing, the whole process, yes. So the other two programs that work with the bio families to help reunite the families is we have parent education and support and, and that one is they're paired up with someone to just maybe help them get the services they need and give them, them the moral support f- through th- what they're going through. And then we have the therapeutic family support services. And in that program um, is actually providing like those, those visits with the child and the parent to get them back and reunited. And it's done with one of our, our clinicians, so mm-hmm. one of our, ther- our therapists. Mm-hmm. We also have programs that are contracts we have through Ventura County Human Services Agency that help all the caregivers that are, could be in this situation. We like to say like we wrap our arms around the entire family. Yeah. So we've already talked about the child and foster care. We have programs for them. Uh, BioParent, we have programs for them if the child's been removed and they're working on reunification, stabilizing the family, which is called family maintenance. But then there's also that that third piece, that current caregiver. Who like who is that child with yeah. right now mm-hmm. when everything is going on? So they could be with a foster slash resource family. Resource is a new term the county 
the county's trying to get away from the term foster family. Oh. So they, so, so the the term now that they're trying to use is resource family. So caregivers could be a resource foster family, a uh, family where the, an adoption has happened, so the adopted parents, or a relative caregiver. So last year we provided support and our therapists worked with 131 caregivers to teach them therapeutic parenting skills and to really address those challenges because, you know, even if you are a excited family, you're a brand new foster family and you and you want to you really want to welcome kids into your home, you may get a child and be like, this child is not like my child. How, right. how come he responds this way? How come mm-hmm. how come there's outbursts? How come he doesn't listen to me? So our therapists can help these um providers, an adoptive or foster family, work through strategies and understand that these children have been through trauma and they have had attachments that have been broken in the past. And Mm -hmm. so there's issues with trust and um, because a lot of the kids in the foster system may have had multiple placements, Mm -hmm. have been victims of, of abuse, witness violence, you know, anything. So they are suffering a lot of trauma that needs to be dealt with and and being able to really learn to trust again and build attachments. Well, yeah, it's, everyone needs new coping mechanisms, basically, and how right. to um, manage each other's emotions mm-hmm. and, and learning how to communicate with each other. That's really that's very hard. I mean, if you you know had a kid and that kid has been in your home the whole time, you you work out a way of how to communicate. How you- now right. other people they and then might you bring in somebody new you know, and the child may not know have never been communicated yes. with like mm-hmm. in a healthy way has never been communicated yep. with like one of our other programs that might fall on our clinical side so that meaning like someone that would be working with a licensed therapist or an associate so the last program I can touch on is a newer program that we have. It's called our CSEC program. It stands for Commercial Sexual Exploitation of Children, and mm. so this program tries to help the caregivers of a child that maybe has been, there's been like a, a threat of them being trafficked or they have been. They trafficked. have been, yeah. And so that can be something that's really prevalent in the foster kids. That's so, very traumatic. Oh, wow. So this program helps the caregivers to Manu- work. Yeah, yeah, to manage, manage a child that. that's been through that. Yeah. So some of our other programs work with what is known as kinship families. So Kinship is just a fancy word for a relative caregiver. Mm-hmm. And with, within that scope, um, you would have what's known as formal and informal kinship. So an informal kinship could be someone that has just, for whatever reason, has, you know, the kids are living with their grandmother. Their kids are living with, with their cousins at their aunt's house. Oh, we're very familiar with living with grandma. <laughs> yeah, we, we are around here. And, and it happens more, you know, it just happens more than you think. And that's what a lot of people may not know, that there's help for those people. So mm-hmm. so basically, there has not been a social worker involved. And so with without that, I mean, honestly, sometimes you don't want it because usually if a social worker is yeah, involved, but, that oh, is, it gets ugly. It yes, can get ugly. Yeah. That means something bad's happened. Uh-huh. So, yeah. But then on this side, with an informal kinship family, there is no social worker involved. So these relative caregivers, are they're considered outside of the child welfare system and they don't receive any support yeah. from um, you know, what they could be getting from the county as far as help for the children. So we have peer partner educators that, so for instance, last year we, our peer partner educators on our support services side provided um, 216 informal kinship families with support. Hmm. So a lot of our peer partner educators have that lived experience where 
they may be an aunt that raised their niece or something, and now they're part of our staff. So, and actually, some of our staff have gone through our program and now are, are working. So everyone here is is very passionate about the work that they do because exactly. m- uh, most every everybody has lived through it in some kind of way. There's so- something something has touched their lives. A connection yes. to it. Yes. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. We also have peer partner educators that work with what are called your formal resource. So fo- resource, again, is another name for foster. But they are, we supported 714 resource and formal kinship families last year at Kids and Families through support um, and work of our peer partner educators. And then we have a program called our pre-service training classes. And this, this class is kind of, it's along the steps that a family in Ventura County would take if they want to become a licensed resource slash foster 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 family. family. So, you know, you would start with the county and go through various steps. I think there's like a home inspection and, you know, and you have a social worker assigned to you as you're going through the process. But along that way, you would come and participate in these pre-service training classes that are provided by our therapist. Then there are also some what we call our delegates that have that lived experience. So they might be like former foster kids or former kinship caregivers and current like resource families that come and speak at these classes. And in these classes, potential foster families are learning about trauma, attachment, what to expect. Coping mechanisms. Exactly. What to expect when you're bringing Mm -hmm. in a child into your home that has experienced all these different life experiences. And finally, like our last program is where you know we get to see a lot of a lot of joy and smiles it's called our heart to heart resource services program and this is this is our only program and is not funded by any county contract so this is solely by donation of money corporate grants you know individual donations donations of goods from stores so this program the heart to heart resource services program helps the families that we serve Um, Because a lot of times, if I give an example of like if a kid, if a child is being removed from their home, Mm -hmm. it's usually something that's very abrupt. A social worker might be called in and they go to a relative and they say, if you don't take these three grand, these three grandkids and they're going to go in the foster system. So of course, grandmother will take, they'll they'll Mm -hmm. open up their heart and their home to these kids, but they might not have things like depending on the age. Do they have diapers? Do they have the, the proper size beds for these kids? Clothing. So we provide events throughout the year that, I mean, and then the program does like can help families, you know, if, if they're taking a child in and, you know, and they need to get stuff right away, we're there to support them with that. But we have like eight to 10 specific events that focus on a lot of them are seasonally focused um, that help these families provide that that extra, all that extra stuff that mm-hmm. you need when you have a kid. So mm-hmm. um, if I just go back through our calendar, I'll kind of work from our most recent back. At, at, over the holidays, we served over 100 kids through our event called our Cozy Holiday Event, and that goes in tandem with our Adopt-A-Family program. So we had a uh, Saturday in December. We partnered up with Cross Point Church, let us use their facility here in Ventura, and we set up, you know, this great Christmas experience for them. We have Santa there and the parents can come in and sort of browse through all of our donations to grab Christmas gifts for um, the care, you know, the caregivers, whoever, whoever the child's with. So mm-hmm. if it's, you know, the, you know, for a lot of these events, you know, we really do want to try to help those informal 
kinship caregivers that Mm -hmm. just don't really have any of that support. Back in November, we had uh, 52 families received meal baskets, gift cards to grocery stores, cleaning products, household goods at our thankful for you event. In the fall, we always have what we call our Harvest Fest. So that usually happens in October. We had 70 kids come out and that event focuses, obviously we want to have fun. So it's like pumpkins, Halloween. So -hmm. we try to have like Halloween costumes, but then we also want to do like Maybe these kids need a coat because uh, it's going to be in yeah, colder. It's so cold. It's, yeah, coats and costumes we'll have for them. We had that over at uh, Big Wave Dave's Pumpkin Patch, Patch. Yeah. in Ventura. Mm-hmm. So seventy kids attended that event. A lot of t- a lot of these events they're really geared for the family, so the caregiver can come and like specifically at this event we had some art projects for the kids to do. Um, also use it as a bonding experience exactly as, as well. a exactly mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. as a bonding experience. And then um, in August we always have our back to school event. And 100 kids received brand new school supplies, and that we called it our school readiness event, and that was in August. And this, I think this has to be one of my favorite events, is our bike rodeo. Mm-hmm. So we had an event that we did a couple years ago, I want to say in 2018, we did a teach kids how to fish event. Yeah. With real guppies at the pier. Oh, yeah. Fort I know. Wayne, yeah, I know. So, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then a couple weeks later, a couple days later, I took the call. I was working up at the front desk and and it was a grandma. And she said, you know, that event was great, but mm-hmm. we have a seven-year-old granddaughter and she wants to learn how to ride a bike. And I'm not getting on a bike. Right. She's like, we can't, my husband and I, we can't even like, can't really even run next to her. Oh, yes. To, to help her. Yes. She, she said, what can I do? So, so that one phone call ignited this whole idea of let's see what we can do about that. So yeah. we've had a bike rodeo um, for the last three years or so. And we partner with like CHP, Ventura County Police, Bike Ventura. And to see like, what did we have? We served like 60 kids. They gained like some safety skills, had like a helmet check. They could get their bike repaired. They could get a, a new bikes were given away, refurbished bikes if they needed a bike. Mm-hmm. But 15 kids learned how to ride that that's day. That's cool. That that's is, really cool. Yeah, because mm-hmm. even I remember, you know, you just remember that. Who helped you learn to ride a bike? Where right. did you do that? You know, it's something that I think that a lot of kids remember for a long time. But and then um, last spring we had two events: a mothering and fathering event in May and June. In Mother's Day, we had little like care packages given out to the mothers. And this this was our first year. I think we did an event for the fathers, and we held it at Master Barbers in Ventura on Telegraph, mm-hmm. and um, had haircuts oh, for okay, yeah. caregivers. Yeah. So foster parents or grandparents that are working with us, they could get um, free haircuts for Father's Day. Our spring fling is usually every April, and it's a spring slash Easter type event. Right. And I think this year we're going to try to have it at a park where kids could do an egg hunt. Yeah, so you have to come back to me when you guys are ready to start talking about that one. For so sure, yeah, that'll be coming some... up. We'll be planning for that soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Speaking with Amy Hewitt, she is the outreach manager of Kids and Families Together in the city of Ventura. And um, they have a host of services for kids and families that are in, either in the resource how do you say foster Foster resource resource families that have been placement placed with them or bio families have them taken out of their home and um adoption adoption and uh 
different, you know, different ways that children are able to be served through your agency. And then on top of that, you also help serve caregivers as well. And you do several events. So thank you so much, Amy, for your time. Thanks I really appreciate by. it. Oh, yeah, I'm in the house right here. <laughs> Let people know how they can contact you. I mean, I know you do use volunteers for different events. Yes, you do have your heart to heart. So you need donations for that as well. Yep. So tell us how we can contact so you. You can find us on social media on Facebook on Instagram we have a YouTube channel as well so you'll see some highlight videos on there our phone number if you have questions or are interested in volunteering is 805-643-1446 is our main number um, our website kids and families all spelled out k-i-d-s-a-n-d-f-a-m-i-l-i-e-s.org kidsandfamilies.org is our email address you can um, sign up there to become a volunteer our volunteer opportunities are huge so you could if you're interested in events and want to gain like event planning experience we have a committee that helps to plan the events and there's some volunteers on that with the staff Um, if you just want to come the day of the event like I said we have eight to 10 of them a year. And then there are some prep days, usually before each event where we're loading stuff up in our, in our van or organizing care packages. Like or if we're hosting a donation drive, exactly. maybe you exactly. might want to do this. So many yeah. opportunities to help out the community here in this beautiful location. It's so awesome. And thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Still on the way on all things 805 is my interview with the co-founder of Kids and Families Together, Faith Friedlander. We're celebrating Women's History Month with an oral history on all things 805, connecting community, culture and climate of Ventura County and beyond. It's all things 805, and we're connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. I'm actually on location at Kids and Families Together in the city of Ventura. The address here is 864 East Santa Clara Street. They gave me a tour of the building, and I'm actually sitting across from the co-founder of Kids and Families Together, Faith Freelander. Hello. Hello. Uh, Faith, the first question I ask everybody that's on the show, what is something that you want the listeners of All Things 805 to know about you, Faith Freelander? I think the first thing I want them to know is that when David and I started Kids and Families Together, and I would say it probably came more out of me in the beginning Mm -hmm. than David. It came out of a lot of passion and not a lot of knowing where I was going, but Mm -hmm. I knew that this was the work that I wanted to be doing at that time in my life. We had launched our kids, Mm -hmm. and we we had moved to Ventura from Ojai, and It's just amazing to me that 23 years later, the things that we're doing, I could never have told you that that's what we would be doing, but I knew that it was important to do something with adoption, foster care, kinship care. I just knew that was important, and then it all unfolded. Um, Faith, now... I am a little bit familiar with some of your background, some of your story and history, but um, I would like for you to share with the listeners of All Things 805, like why 
why this work is so important to you and why you're so passionate about it. Right. Right. Okay. Well, first of all, I was adopted and I was adopted in the whole closed system. I was born in 1946 Mm -hmm. and grew up in a really very loving home. Um, I had an older sister who was my parents' bio child, and then they adopted my brother, and then I was adopted in a whole different situation. Mm -hmm. But I was always the kind of kid that thought, wondered about things. Mm -hmm. And when I was growing up, I used to think a lot. On, especially on my birthday, because I, I always knew I was adopted. Okay. That was not a secret. Okay. And I didn't, you know, it wasn't like we went around telling everybody, but I was given that information. And then the older I got, the more I understood what it meant. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that I shouldn't ask a whole lot of questions because most adoptees have loyalty issues. It's like you don't want to upset your parents, like have them think, well, of course you're my parents. Yeah. But I still I still did start somewhere else. Yeah. So anyway, when I was I was little, I used to always wonder if my birth mom thought about me on my oh. birthday. And so I would ask some questions growing up, but not a whole lot because I could just tell that it was hard for my mom. But you know, she got better as I got older mm-hmm. um, because what happened was in the 70s, in the early 1970s, all these adopted people like mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. started writing books mm-hmm. and they wrote books about how they they were born into the same system as me that you were supposed to, once you were adopted, you just go on with your life and you never think about where you came from. Huh. But that wasn't their experience. So for the first time, I didn't feel alone. I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one mm. who wonders about all these things. So I felt I ju- it, it, it was a beginning mm. for me. Now, at that point... I finally was able to convince my mom, my adopted mom, who's my mom, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that she wasn't adopted, so she didn't know how it felt, and I wanted information. So I started asking her some things, and she slowly started telling me things. Opening up. And Mm -hmm. opening up. And I have to tell you, when she did that, I felt the closest that I ever have to Mm -hmm. my mom, because Mm -hmm. I felt like she got it. She was seeing me. Mm. I, it it was so not about trying to take anything away from her. Well, then, unfortunately, both of my parents died before I turned 30. Mm. And that was a, and they both died the same year. It was a really, really hard year. Love birds, Really, yeah. Mm. Clearly. I mean, it just, it was such a hard time. So I was, I went into therapy, really big therapy, Mm. and did a lot of work on loss and grief and also realizing that I did have a lot of feelings about losing my first mom, mm-hmm. you know, that that was there. Yeah. And so out of all of that, I started to realize that I did want to search, mm-hmm. but I did it 
with a lot of care, and I had a really good support system, and I was in therapy through the whole process, and many times I would take a step forward, and then I'd need a lot of time, you know, I wasn't ready for the next step, and so I would stop, you know, I I would pick it up and go back and forth. Well, to make a long story short, it was, I did find my birth mom, Mm -hmm. and, and I, anyway, bottom line is she did not want any connection, Mm -hmm. and so I, it was hard, yeah. but I knew I when I did it, I did it with knowing that there were no guarantees and that that could be how she would be. What I did ask her, I asked her once to sit in my presence and for the two of us to just be together where I could ask her questions. Right. But she said no. And... I wasn't at the time, I knew she had a family, I'd already figured that out. And I wasn't even, and I knew I was a secret. Uh And so I wasn't gonna, you know, divulge her secret. I just really, really wanted to fill in some gaps. And to look into her eyes. Exactly. To look into her eyes. And see yourself. Exactly. Exactly. You've got it. You've got it. That's true. Mm -hmm. So she was not able to do that, and I had reached out a, and a couple of times over, like, say, a 15-year period, and it became very, very clear it was not going to happen, and she was, in her mind, which was hard for me, was that she felt it was okay for her if she had wanted to search for me, mm-hmm. but it wasn't okay for me to ever search for her. And from my perspective, it was like, but I'm not the one that caused the secret. I mean, I, you know, so, so so that made no sense. So many different levels to that. It's that generation of exactly take it to the grave. Exactly. Exactly. Children are to be seen and not heard. All of those, all of those little cliches. But it's really, really true. It's really true. That's a really good way of looking at it. It's like you do as you're you're do as you're told, Mm -hmm. and you don't you don't really express feelings, and you know you just do as you're told. You are a therapist, correct? You are a therapist. When did you? Um, begin and get your license. How old? Uh, 1991. I was just like 40. After I got a certain amount of therapy that really was changing my life, Uh then I decided I really want to go back to school and I want to become a therapist because I knew it would continue my own healing Uh and it would help me to be there for other people at the same time. So even that, it happened all organically from the inside out. Mm. So what happened then was I was done with Kitty was my birth mom's name, and I wasn't ever going to reach out to her again. And I, you know, part of me was angry at how she had been towards me. But then another part of me, like, but she grew up Mm. at a time when women were so shamed and I sent mean, away yeah. if you were pregnant. I mean, much less even having sex. I oh, mean, yeah. outside of marriage, and then to get pregnant and have a bit. So I really had a lot more compassion for her when I thought about it. Now I also knew I had a sister 
and two brothers. Mm. I had a half-sister and two brothers. Well, at some point, my daughter and my husband, they were looking on Facebook, and they were seeing my half-sister and thinking, you know, she looks really sweet. And, Mm. you know, so they had said something to me about, you know, well, what about connecting? My sister's name is Judy. I said, she was raised by that woman. You know, my... I don't think so. I'm, I said, I think I'm done with being rejected. Plus, I know there's no way that I do not think I was a secret. Mm-hmm. And do I really want to blow up a family uh, and what that could all be? Mm-hmm. Well, just before my, my daughter wrote a beautiful letter. I mean, it was beautiful. And part of the letter that really made me cry was she wrote it to my sister but she also said how she felt about me, and, and it was so loving, and I thought, I, if it never got sent, how wonderful my daughter feels this way about yeah. me. So they, so Aline had written this letter and said, I really want to send this. And just before she, and it was just before Mother's Day. Mm. It was the, like the day before Mother's Day. But she had ju- they had just checked and had seen on some obituary or something that my birth mom had died. So somehow that felt a little safer to me Mm -hmm. because then I wasn't going to get in the middle of them. And the family was already blown up. Yeah, so exactly. So now it blows up and then it's going to settle all back down. You might as well jump in there. (laughs) Exactly. So that had happened. Well, my daughter sent this letter that arrived, you know, it was special delivery kind of thing. So, of course, my sister sees, at first she thought, well, what? Is this just one of those, you know, things where they want, you know, they just want to make sure you open it, but it's really nothing. So she opens it, and she reads this letter that's saying, and it starts with, what I am going to share with you is going to be shocking. Hopefully, it will also maybe be exciting Mm -hmm. to you as well. So then she proceeds to say that I am their half-sister, that Kitty was my mom, where I was conceived, you know, the whole thing. And and she was in the military. I mean, all that. I have all our military records. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, it wouldn't be easy to really scam, but we know, right? There's a lot of scammers. So her, she she couldn't get a hold of her brother, one of the brothers right at that time. So she called her daughter and her daughter said, oh, no, mom, I'm sure it's just a scam, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, there's so many scams. Well, in the meantime, then her daughter went and looked me up on Facebook and says she looks just, just like, like Nana. Oh. Just like. So then they began to think, ah, maybe oh, they're. Yeah. So what is the R face doing on this woman's face? Exactly. <laughs> so Judy and I, we were on a Zoom like the very next day on Mother's Day. They they all embraced me. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you see, that's the difference in generation. Yeah. I mean, and and they had been raised by her, and trust me. They had had, in many ways, to be perfectly honest, they said, we think you might have gotten the better end of the deal. You know, I mean, because she had some some stuff that was pretty hard to deal with, Mm -hmm. you know, but she had not said anything. Well, in the meantime, I get very connected to my sister. The other thing is her whole life, she had two brothers and she always wanted a a sister. sister and an older sister. 
And it's interesting because I always wanted a younger sister. I hated I was the youngest growing up in my family. So we have this amazing relationship. Well, my mother, mm-hmm. my birth mom, had a younger brother who is my Uncle Bud, who's still alive, who's five years younger than her. Well, we did find out that she must have told her parents because he said he never told a soul, not Uh. even his wife, that he overheard them arguing in the other room. So he knew, but he said nobody ever said anything to him. So he never said a word. But anyway, so eventually they went and they told Uncle Bud. This was almost two years after I had already connected because everybody thought, oh, well, what if Uncle Bud can't handle it? He's not in good health. I have to tell you, he was so excited about me. Mm. And then that summer, I went to see my Uncle Bud for the first time. And all I did was hold his hand and look into his eyes. And I mean, I and and he felt the same way with me because to him, it was like being with his sister. Right. And he loved his sister in spite of, you know, whatever mm-hmm. she had, you know, like everybody, she had good qualities. So to this day, my uncle, Bud, I call him, I mean, he's not in very good health. I went out with my siblings in mm-hmm. December to see him, but he call, He always calls me now on my birthday. And this last time when he called me on my birthday and I was not available, so he left me a message, I'm never getting rid of that message. <laughs> Hold on to I it mean, forever. I'm keeping it forever. So what you say is true. There's something about looking into somebody's eyes and seeing something of yourself. yourself. Yeah. yeah. That is so valuable. Wow. Yeah. I'm speaking with Faith Freelander. She is the co-founder of Kids and Families Together. What a journey. And to come full circle. I, what I also learned in this process, as long as you're alive, you never know when something is going to open. Yeah. Because if anybody had told me, in 1991, that I was ever going to connect with my family, you know, in 2015 was when that happened. I mean, I was, I was almost 70 before I ever connected. And then to make it further, like with my uncle and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, I, I think it's a real lesson in you don't know what can be right around the corner. Yes. As long as you're alive, don't give up hope is and what I've keep learned. Keep your heart open. Keep your heart open. Because you never know. You exactly. really don't. So we came for a circle. You met your family. Mm-hmm. You, you've you healed so many relationships. I mean, or, or you healed a part of yourself mostly. Right. So now we come to a point where you're a therapist mm-hmm. and kids and families together, like, how was that born? How did how did we birth that? I would say, again, it was birthed out of a dream. At the beginning, I went and did a lot of training, and I met with a lot of people, and I really believe in authenticity, and I don't have to know everything. I just believe I have to show up and be willing to learn. And I I believe because of all I had already been through, I was drawn to exactly the things that I needed to be drawn to, mm-hmm. to, to make, to make a difference. And so 
I mean, that's me looking back now. I wouldn't say I knew that then, but I knew that I that once my kids were launched, I knew I wanted to do something meaningful, and I knew that I was really connected to adoption. Because the other piece of this is my sister that I was raised with, my sister that I grew up with, she actually adopted, she and her first husband mm. adopted three kids mm. out of foster care, all who had the same mother, different fathers, they were not super young, and they came with a lot of trauma. Mm. And she didn't know anything. I didn't know anything at the time really either, how much you really have to understand trauma and 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 how to show up for these kids. Mm. So I think that pulled me into wanting to learn more and to be able to support her. And then the other piece in this is I have a niece that I am very close to. We both came into the Friedlander family at the same time. And she's Amerasian. And mm. she she came out of the whole fall of Saigon. Oh, you know, those wow. kids mm-hmm. that all, you know, in... In 1975, they were getting all because they were worried about what was going to happen, you know, to these kids that were mixed. After the war, yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. after the war. So they got her out, and she was adopted by my brother-in-law and his wife. And she and I were, we just always were close because Mm -hmm. we were two people that were adopted. Yeah, a lot of stuff in common, yeah. Yeah, and so she was very open and real, and we were always really close. Well, then... She, when she decided to go find her birth mom, and this is before I had found my siblings, Mm -hmm. I was still in the very negative, my mom was not coming around at all. She asked me to go to Vietnam with her to just, we thought we were just going to be putting down some beginning steps. Well, we actually found all her birth family and her mom. And let me tell you, she had the absolute reunion that we all would want to have. Her mother did not let her out of her arms, I swear, for like 24 hours. Mm. And I mean, her mom spoke very little English. Mm -hmm. I mean, very little. And Wen doesn't speak Vietnamese. Uh It was so interesting because all she spoke, of course, when she got here was Vietnamese. But within within six months, she had lost all her Vietnamese. Uh And we wonder if some of that's just the trauma because why we know she lost it is because we connected her up with a Vietnamese family that was living here and they spoke to her in Vietnamese and it was like, she didn't understand what they were saying. Yeah, she was. So anyway, so she had this incredible reunion with her mom and her mom couldn't stop saying how happy she was because she knew then she had had a good life. She graduated from UCLA. You know, I mean, her mom even wrote in one of the things that she was afraid that she coming here that she would just be used for domestic oh, help. Yes. Uh, not that there weren't things that they would do differently yeah. now because she still grew up in a way too white mm-hmm. community and yeah. had all of those issues that we now know we need to be much more mindful of, you know, but she's also an LMFT and she does a lot of work, you know, with all kinds of people. And it has just been amazing. I I bet for her mother, her mother was probably like, thank God I made a good decision. I I really do. Because I think her mom knew 
she was so grateful that we brought her back, you know, mm-hmm. that we never tried to take her away from her culture. We wanted her to be proud of her culture. But that that yes, that she had been given a good life. And she was her firstborn child. She had actually lived with the father. He was an he was an American soldier mm. and they lived together. He, I think she was about seven months pregnant when he got sent back to the States. He thought he was gonna be able to get her out. Well, you know, they weren't letting anybody out, you know, so so she just went on to have the baby. And I don't even think that they probably couldn't even have really communicated. But when he did eventually marry a woman here and everything, he told her all about his, you know, the person he was with and that he knew that he had a child. And um, so when found him, you know, she's, (laughs) it's been amazing that she was able to fill in many gaps. So it's the other side of the coin. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's come to me so personally in all these different ways. So it was a, some, a passion project, really. Exactly, and a service, passion project. In service of people like that have had a history similar to you. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much, Faith, for sharing your story. That's my story. And thank you. You're wonderful to talk with. Thank and you. I love this. I, I love would, this. I would do it with her any day. You're very comfortable. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Uh, Faith Freelander, she's a co-founder of Kids and Families Together. You can check them out and support them at kidsandfamilies.org. Thank you. Thank you. It's all things 805, and we are connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. I'm your host, Miss Alanette. I'd like to say thank you to our guests today on all things 805. Amy Hewitt, who does community outreach at Kids and Families Together in the city of Ventura, along with the co-founder, Faith Friedlander. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. It feels really good for me to be able to record an oral history of a woman who has taken her pain and turned it around into something positive, to turn her pain into passion and really make an amazing thing here in Ventura County. And if you have an event, resources, a message, something that you are passionate about, you can be a guest on All Things 805. Send me an email to allthings805radio at gmail.com and we can talk about having you on the show. And thank you so much for listening to the show. I appreciate you for taking part of your day out to listen to this show. It's All Things 805. We are connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. I'd like to say as well, happy Women's History Month. I'm Miss Allenette, and this show is part of the Allen Network. I'll be talking to you real soon. Thank you.